Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Kira Hug. Kira, welcome to the show. Hi, Henry. I am so excited to be here. Thank you. I'm looking forward to this conversation. We have not done a deep dive on this topic before. So I'm looking forward to this. Uh, oh, Kira, yeah, great. no, this is, this is great. So I'm glad when you reached out or someone reached out on your behalf, uh, Kira Hug is going to share her insights on effective copywriting that converts, which means generating sales and driving results. And regardless of, regardless of how we communicate uh, an offer or a product that we have to offer to our customers or our clients, it typically includes some kind of written communication of our value proposition and some kind of call to action. And just as many of us as business owners struggle with the lack of sales skills, we also often don't have the, the skills at copywriting. And what the heck is copywriting anyway? So Kira is here to enlighten us and share with us some tips and techniques and also how she helps her clients with copywriting. If you want to receive more information about the Howa business, including links to the show notes page for this episode, or to schedule a free coaching consultation with me, you can text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 772-837-5700, or visit thehowabusiness.com. So Kira Hug is a business owner and copywriter and the founder of Kira Hug Media and the co-founder of the Copywriter Club. She specializes in conversion copywriting, which is based, as she explains, on both the science and art of research, optimization, UX, edit, which UX stands for user experience, right? Yes. Yep. UX, editing, and even eavesdropping on your customers to learn more about them. Kira calls herself a copy chef, although as she also mentions, she's not into cooking that much, right? <laughs> well, you know what? That, that has changed during Ah, that has COVID. changed from necessity. I am cooking yeah. more frequently. I just made some really great chili over the weekend. So maybe I need to update my bio. There you go. So she is kind of a chef as well. And she leads a team of multiple copywriters and a flex micro agency, interesting description, that's focused on personality-driven sales copy. She tends to specialize these days on people who are launching courses or membership sites or programs, but I'm telling you, this applies to any business, anything that we're trying to get someone to take action on. We need this, this expertise of copywriting. She also has her own show, her own show that's called the Copywriter Club Podcast. She lives now in the DC area. And so once again, Kira Hug, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about copywriting with you. Absolutely. And before we get there, though, I'm interested in your journey. As I was doing the research, you had, had an interesting background. And so I'm curious as to how you got to where you are today. You, I think you had an artistic background to begin with and then went into marketing, right? Yes. So I was always the art kid in my family. I think, you know, every out of the four of us, we had my sister was the athletic smart one. Uh, my brother was the funny one. My older brother was like the computer geek. <laughs> and I was the creative one from a very early stage. I just own that identity. And uh, over time questioned, well, what does that actually mean as far as a career? Everyone says that you're going to be a starving artist. So what does that actually look like? And so that's kind of how I started my career asking that question, what can I do with this? And so in, initially you went into marketing. Uh, initially I went into 
sales and oh, uh, working for enterprise rent a car. That was my first job. Um, I was so passionate about moving to New York city. That was my dream. Nothing else mattered after college. And so, <laughs> Uh, the, the first company that would take me as an employee was Enterprise Rent-A-Car in their training program, which was very sales heavy, customer service heavy, um, and not anything like what I had imagined my dream job would be. Um, as working at a cool design agency in New York City, it was the opposite, right. uh, but it was also one of the best experiences for giving me this strong foundation in understanding sales and also just resiliency and you know grit. Um, picking people up. I was, you know, like the saying, we'll pick you up. I was picking up strangers in cars oh, right. in downtown Brooklyn. And I didn't know my way around. And this was like pre GPS. Um, so it just taught me how to be a bit tougher. Yeah. You had to be resourceful, no doubt. Yes. And so that's kind of what um, kicked off my career and then moved me into mar more marketing spaces at different nonprofits, running marketing teams. And ultimately, kind of gave me, gave me time to really think about what I wanted to do, which was to start my own business. Hmm. Did you have aspirations of being your own boss from early on or when did that come to you? I had those aspirations early on in my, so my first kind of more glamorous job after Enterprise Rent-A-Car was working <laughs> for Estee Lauder companies in this beautiful building in Manhattan. And I was kind of doing what I always thought I would do, which I was in a, a design department. It was almost like this dream job. But while I was in it, I just, I had this aspiration to start my own business. And so I would daydream about different ideas and kind of check off the days that I was there and knowing that I wanted to leave eventually. And I also had the intuition to know that I needed to be in a job where I could do lots of different things and learn as much as possible in order to eventually be prepared for entrepreneurship. I knew that I could, at that time for me, at least I wasn't ready to jump fully into my own business. I was just, I was still fresh out of college. And so I knew the next step for me was just to go to smaller companies or nonprofits where I could have a lot on my plate and have a lot thrown my way and really take a leadership role and, and almost have that entrepreneurial experience too. Looking back at it now, do you, are you glad you did it that way? Or do you think, you know, sometimes we tend to hide behind that because we don't quite have the courage to take the leap, but do you think it was the right path for you? It, it was, I just, I had friends who were so clear on their path from day one. Um, and, you know, New York is full of so many ambitious people. So some of them were on this financial track and some of them were working in advertising and they were on this very straight path. And it just wasn't, I wasn't on a straight path. I mean, coming from a creative art background, I knew I was drawn to creativity, but I didn't have this final destination in mind. So I needed a little bit more time to learn and figure out what I liked, what I didn't like. I don't think everybody needs that, but for me, that time paid off because I eventually got to that destination where I learned about copywriting. And finally I was like, oh, this is it. <laughs> this see. is a business. Um, but I think I just need more time for it to percolate because again, as, as a creative and as uh, an artist growing up, people just would say like, you're, you're, you know, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to be a starving artist? Like some people would oh, mention yeah. graphic design, but there weren't a lot of pathways, yeah. at least at that time that people shared with me. So I didn't have a vision. I had to create my own vision. 
Yeah, no, I get it. My daughter is living in Manhattan now. She just oh. moved up there last year. And so that has been her oh. you know, lifetime dream <laughs> <Yeah>. as well. <laughs> it's a hard time to be there right now. It is, but, but you know, exciting. they're actually doing okay. They're actually here with us in Florida for a couple of weeks because they're working remotely. So they have that flexibility. But, um, but the, I mean, she's been enjoying it, but she had same similar, very passionate about living there. So I understand that. You either, yeah, you either want it and it's the dream and you make it work or, or, you know, a lot of people are just like, I do not need that. That's right. Um, and so I, I get it. When you think about to the sales training and experience that you got at enterprise or is there, do you, do you still feel like you're using some of that today? Uh, how much of that translates to how you do it today? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, parts of it. Yes. I mean, I remember one thing that we did, or I did at, so you have your little computers set up at Enterprise Rent-A-Car when somebody's helping you. And uh, we had, we wanted to get more people to buy cars from us. So we were selling a lot of cars, but people, mostly customers didn't know about that program. They didn't associate Enterprise Rent-A-Car with selling cars. They associated it with renting cars. So I came up with really ridiculous words like I mean, I don't even remember. It was like gobbledygook, like words that make no sense, but are just fun to say. And I would just write it down on a, on a flash card. And then I taped it to the backside of the monitor. So as I was helping a customer rent a car, they would see this ridiculous word in front of them. And that's all they would see. And so um, I didn't know it was really, it was a marketing technique. It's an inter um, interruption, it's a disruptive marketing at the time, but it did work because as soon as they would say, well, what is gobbledygook? I would say, oh, that's a reminder for me to share with you that we have this, this sales program where we're actually selling cars for these great rates, blah, blah, blah. And so like little things like that are still such a huge part of what I do as a marketer and as a copywriter. It's about, um, about really grabbing the attention of the person in front of you who's frazzled, who's thinking about how their car is not working. So now they have to rent a car. And if you can grab the attention of that person, um, that translates to online marketing too. Um, but yeah, I just, I didn't know it at the time that these are actual techniques that, that work well with online businesses too. Yeah, and I love that. It also worked as a form of permission marketing, if you will. In other words, you flipped it on them to ask you. Yes. And then that opened the opportunity. So people put themselves in a different position instead of you going into your spiel and they're like, I don't want to hear it. Right. That would not have worked. Yeah, and right. it also allowed us to get a little bit silly, right? It's usually right. tense in funny. those offices because people are not happy to rent cars for most of the, most of the part, their, their car's not working. That's why they're right. renting a car. So they're stressed out to begin with. And so anything I, I could do to kind of take down their guard and add some humor or just make their day a little bit lighter was also useful in order to share this sales opportunity. So Kira Hug Media, which was the business you started, that focused on copywriting from day one? Yes. So that was copywriting. I did tinker with other business ideas, which I think is, is normal as you're figuring out the entrepreneurial path until a friend, uh, you know, basically like kicked me and was like, hey, you're a copywriter. You're playing around with all these different ideas. Why don't you just create a copywriting business? I'm already paying you to write my website copy. Like this is your business. And so it took someone really hitting me over the head for me to realize that I had a business. But once I, once it clicked, um, I went all in building out my own copywriting, uh, what I call micro agency and, uh, focusing on that 
did you uh, leave your job and go do this? Did you do it on the side for a period of time? How did you ramp it up initially? Yeah, that's such a great question. So I was somebody who eased into it. I like that approach for me. I was working as a marketing director at a startup. I was already working virtually at the time. This is around like 2015. And so I did have some flexibility because I was already working virtually and um, I I could manage my own hours so I could take on these side projects and it wasn't a problem. And so over time, as I became more successful in my copywriting business, I would scale back the hours at my marketing gig. And I'd already been working there for a couple of years. So I, you know, we already had that trust and I was working hard for them, but I, I pulled back and over time, I just eventually went to part-time hours and then And then when I had the confidence that, hey, I can really do this, I just had the proof that this copywriting business could work. I put in, put in my notice when I felt like I could do this on my own and that it was actually holding me back at that point. I think Mm -hmm. we all kind of feel that tension point where the current job or gig is actually now um, holding you back from creating the next stage of your career. Right. I suspect, you know, for a lot of your, uh, I don't know if you call them students or clients for the copywriter club, that that's common where people will transition as this on the side and then try to grow it perhaps to being the full-time business. That's common. You know, it is common, but I would say over the last year um, in 2020, because things were so crazy, so many people lost their jobs that it was more abrupt. And all of a sudden they're like, okay, I need to start this copywriting business and make this work overnight. So I think there's definitely more pressure with some people that are moving into the space now, but I typically recommend, you know, a gradual transition. I think that's always less stressful and, um, and could be more beneficial to the person in that transition. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, let's start typing into it. I thought we would start with, with just a definition of what it is. What, what is copywriting and, and what's the objective of this kind of writing, as obvious as that question might be, I think it'll be good for us to start at that same point. Yeah. So um, I like to think of it as, you know, the science and the art of writing to ultimately promote and sell a product or a business, or it could be a person, or it could even be an idea. And so ultimately it's, you know, weaving together the right strategy, words, um, phrases, tone, voice, so that you can persuade the reader into taking action. It's all about ultimately taking action. Mm -hmm. And so if we look at it from a small business owner's perspective, what what have you seen that maybe we don't get or we need to know about copywriting? Yeah. So if I think about kind of just like the basics we need to know, any business owner needs to know about copywriting. Uh, it's knowing your audience, which sounds so, sounds so basic and obvious, but having a clear, very clear idea of your specific audience. Um, oftentimes business owners think that they serve everyone because they're so excited about what they're selling or the product. And maybe they can help a lot of people, but the key is to go more narrow than that and figure out who specifically is best suited to purchase whatever you have to offer. Uh, It's hard to write compelling messages if you're writing to everyone. So that's definitely part one is knowing your audience. And then I would say the second part is understanding levels of awareness of um, in order to write compelling marketing messages, you need to know how aware your audience is of you if you're the face of the brand or of your offer of your solution 
um, or of the pain point that you can alleviate. So it's hard to write a compelling message if we are not matching that level of awareness and we think they know our solution and they already know about everything that we've created, but it turns out that they may not have even heard of you and they may not have any idea of your solution. So you may have to do some education before you start selling. Um, But that's really the key is understanding how aware your prospects are of your offer and your solution. And then being very clear about the audience you're best suited to serve so that you can know your audience better than anybody and really speak to them clearly. Yeah. Great stuff. I'm I'm glad you, you simplify it. There's a lot in those two points, but, but it's so important because what, what I find here is that that number one, know your audience is the key component. Every yes. time we've talked about marketing of any kind, that's, that's where you have to start, right? Um, yeah. And it's, it's so many people say it too. So it feels like it's not anything new, but I, I do think that most of us uh, struggle with it. Most of my clients struggle with it. So it's, it's not easy because we do tend to want to serve everyone. Right. And the other thing is that when we think of that, we think of our, you know, we talk about our avatar or an ideal customer, we think demographics, we think, uh, you know, where are they listening? But when it comes to copywriting, there's some additional elements I got to think when I'm thinking of my ideal or my target audience. Yes. Yeah. So you want to think about uh, what their beliefs are. It might be more about what they believe about your industry or what the, you, they believe about uh, the pain that they're feeling what they believe about the solutions, the common solutions to their problems. So definitely you want to go deeper and understand those beliefs. And because oftentimes we need to uh, really kind of move them from one belief into another belief in order for them to take action. And so it's hard to do that if we don't know where we're starting. So a lot of what we need to understand on a deeper level is just like their feelings about the space that you're working in to understand how to connect to where they already are, because if you can't connect to where they are, you're going to have a hard time persuading them to think differently. Are there a couple of example questions just scratching the surface here that, that I can begin to ask myself or of my, as I'm trying to understand my audience that gets at those beliefs and feelings? What, what types of questions should I be asking? Um, well, I mean, you could start with just asking about the pain point that your product or your service will alleviate. And so um, whatever that pain point is, you can ask about like, what do you believe causes this problem? Okay. Okay. Or how, you know, how do you feel about this problem? How is it preventing you or holding you back in whatever area of your life. So just kind of asking questions around that particular problem to understand what they believe about it now and how it's, what they also believe it's preventing them from doing. Um, that could be a really important place to start. Okay, yeah, I'm getting it. As opposed to just asking them, do they have this problem is, how do you feel about this and what are your beliefs about it? And it might also, I might also wanna explore if perhaps some of their beliefs are that there's nothing that can be done about it, or that right. uh, there's a lot of people that are taking, they're scamming people on this particular solution, or you know, I got to tap into what they're feeling and acknowledge and speak to that. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's what, what do you believe caused this problem? And what do you believe could help you, you know, figure out a solution to this problem? 
Um, those are really important because even if it's not the reality and what they think caused the problem is totally different than what actually caused the problem, right. um, you have to get into their head and understand what they're thinking in order to connect with them. If you say, well, no, this is actually what caused your problem, you're going to lose them. They're not yeah. going to continue reading. Yeah, they won't come with me now. This is Henry Lopez with a brief pause to share a special offer from our new show sponsor, GoSite. I have a question for you. Is your business engaging with customers online? You know your customers expect a seamless and easy digital experience, especially during a pandemic, but how can you actually make it happen? You're already working hard from sunup to sundown on your business. You don't have the time to build a website, manage online reviews, and get set up to accept online bookings and payments. But it's not impossible. With GoSite, you can move your entire operation online easily with everything you need to run your business in one place. GoSite provides an all-in-one online platform that makes it easier for your customers to find, book, and pay for your services. Just take Liz as an example. Her landscaping business gained over $260,000 in online sales from new customers in their local area and used GoSite to make it easier for their existing customers to pay and book their services online. Check out the all-in-one platform from GoSite that makes it easier for your customers to find, book, and pay for your services online instantly. Best of all, you don't need any technical experience to get started. Go to gosite.com forward slash podcast to get started for free. That's gosite.com slash podcast to get started today for free. Okay, the second part, the levels of awareness. Tell me a little bit more about that because I think that's where we fall down the most. That's where we fail. We want them to take a certain action and they're not ready to come with us on that step. They don't trust us enough. They don't know us enough to go do what it is I want them to do. And then we wonder why we're not converting. Okay, so I can, there are five different levels of awareness. I can talk through all five if you'd like. Yeah, let's let's talk about those at a high level, yeah. Okay, so- I'm going to bring this back to hosting a party. So I like to think about the levels of awareness in terms of you're hosting a party in your living room. So that's kind of the the frame of reference as I talk through this. So your most aware prospects are the people who are in your party. They are your best friends, best customers. Um, They're the ones telling everyone how awesome you are. They're your brand ambassadors. They, uh, from a buying perspective, they will buy from you and trust you and buy anything that you put out there. There's that level of enthusiasm. You don't have to do a lot to sell to this most aware audience. The next category is product aware. So these are the prospects that know your product, but haven't yet bought it. Uh, They're familiar with the competitor's offerings, and they're just not sure if your solution is the best one for them. So these might be the people, if you're hosting a party, who are next to you, near you, um, asking you a lot of questions. And they are might even be a little bit put off because they aren't convinced that this product is for them. So they still have a little bit more learning to do. They're probably asking other people questions about your, your product and about you. Um, so there's a little bit more selling you need to do on the product in order to uh, get them to purchase that solution. The next category is solution aware. These um, solution aware prospects know about solutions like yours, but they don't know your product or service at all. 
So if your company isn't well known in their industry, they may not have even heard of you. Um, so if they're at the party, they may just be at your party because they heard it was a good party, but they don't even know that you're the host. And so they heard someone could help them at this living room party, but they don't know you yet. So at this point, you're going to have to do a lot more work introducing yourself, um, introducing your solution, building some trust, uh, because they, they don't know you at all. The next, the next, uh, level of awareness is problem aware. And problem where prospects, they know they have a problem and they have some idea of what that problem is, but they may not fully understand it. So they need that pain to be agitated a bit. Um, they may have never dealt with this problem. And so this is where they, um, they need to be, have that pain agitated a bit more. And so while they're at the party, you may have to agitate that problem, maybe by telling them a story or pointing out the problem so that they are more likely to take action. And then finally, the final category here is completely unaware, which is pretty obvious. It's some, like somebody who um, has no idea they have a problem. They have no idea that there are solutions out there that could help them. They, of course, have no idea who you are or your, your brand is. And so I kind of view these people as unaware and outside of your living room party. They're just walking by. And so in order to get someone's attention that's completely unaware, you're going to have to like jump out in front of them, grab their attention, hold their attention and do a sell in a very different way and speak to them in a very different way at that point. So that kind of covers the five levels, most aware, product aware, solution aware, problem aware, and unaware. So how do I then determine which, which level do I speak to in my copy? Yeah. So that will depend on the marketing kind of experience the customer journey and where people are in your funnel. So okay. is it somebody who maybe is hearing you for the first time on a podcast and they have no idea what you do, um, what you create, what problems you're solving, but uh, you you get a chance to introduce yourself for the first time. Um, so that would be an unaware audience. If it's somebody who's opted in maybe to your list, if you have mm -hmm. a list and sure. so they're receiving your weekly emails, they're aware of you to some degree, but they may not be as aware of the problems that they have um, or even the solutions that you offer. So that's kind of a different stage. And um, it, you kind of can work your way through yeah. the sales funnel to think about what stage of awareness they are and how you'll need to sell to them. If I'm writing copy for my website, my, my guess is that I need to be somewhere to two or three there. If they've navigated to my website, they're probably solution aware. They're looking for what I have to offer. They might even be aware that I offer it. And, and so I might write copy to that level. Am, am I getting it? That's true. I think at that point, you need to think about how you're directing people to your website. Okay. Because if it's maybe more SEO focused and about keywords, if you're identifying keywords that are more problem-based, then they might actually show up to your website um, ready to kind of talk about this problem and mm -hmm. they have no idea what your solution is. So I think at that stage, I would just think about what, how you're driving people and attracting them to your website to understand what level of awareness they have. And that could be different for everyone. Right. And then a, a good website will now take them on that journey to get them uh, either more product aware or get them to the party. Right. 
Yes, we want to get them to the party. So they're brand loyal. And so your website could get them as close as you can through the website copy. And then you could nurture them, get them on your list and continue to build a relationship with them through a weekly email to the point where they're they're most aware because they're reading those emails and engaging and, and showing up when you hold webinars or other events. And by and large, you think that at a high level, that funnel structure is what works, is working best for most situations. We're generalizing here, but that I, that my website should serve to offer some kind of, you know, that information, that lead magnet, they join my list, I nurture them, and then I get them to a point where I make them an offer. I, I may be oversimplified. Yeah, I think generally, yeah. I think generally that works well. Mm-hmm. I think you can bypass some of that. Um, like that's, that's why I love podcasting, which I, you know, you and I both have our own podcasts. We get the value of that, but you can build and move through those levels of awareness very quickly and build trust very quickly through podcasting where someone may not even land on your website, but because right. they have you in their earbuds every week, they are most aware and they might even be your most loyal listeners and buyers, and they may have never really checked out your website. So I think there are different marketing channels that can move people through the path faster or even bypass different levels of awareness. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So whether it's a landing page or my website, or uh, certainly there is where this UX, the user experience part of it comes in. That's the part I didn't understand what that means. I, I have some idea, but if you could explain that to me. Yeah. I think what, when I'm talking about user experience with related to copywriting and design, I'm thinking about really the way that we lay out the yeah. copy. Okay. And so it's, it's something that most people don't think about as much. Even a lot of copywriters kind of think about the words. And then when it comes to laying it out on a web page or even in an email, give that a little bit less thought and attention. But if people, if it's hard to read on a screen and it's not clear, then the message and the words don't really matter. And so as you're working on your own copy, uh, whether you work with someone who understands user experience or a designer who understands layout, maybe you can also just test it yourself and with your prospects, um, you want to make sure that you have narrow columns of copy. So it's easy to read because oftentimes, even most copywriters I know, our column on the page for a website is so wide and it's so hard to read it. So people won't read it. They'll just skim over it. So thinking about the way that you create white space on a page is really key. Um, Trying to think of your website pages with through movement and creating movement. So you have asymmetrical elements through graphics or even through the, lay- the layout of the copy. You want it to feel like it's alive um, because again, otherwise you lose people's interest. So even though we give the words a lot of attention, we need to not just stop once we finish writing the words. We need to make sure that it's very easy to read, draw attention, hold attention, direct the attention to the most important parts of the page. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I'm, I'm on, as you're talking, I'm on your website, which is kirahug.com, which is a perfect example of this, right? There's a lot of visual elements that's guiding me down the page. The content is broken up because again, we we know that people scan, they don't read. And so you're trying to catch their attention to the important points, right? Right. And that's why we have the cross headlines throughout any website page or sales page um, through emails too, because you want, as people skim the page, you want them to be able to follow the flow and understand 
kind of understand almost like the story on the page through those cross headlines. Mm -hmm. So we really need to focus on not only drawing attention to those headlines, but making sure that they will grab attention and pull the reader back in. Um, oftentimes the headlines are just so overlooked and those are the most, it's the most powerful copy on the page. And, and like on your landing, on your main homepage, the, those would be like, you know, you start with own your weird conversion copy. And then I scroll down and I see some stuff in pink that is that what you're talking about? When you, yes. Okay. Yes. So yeah. Grabbing attention, whether it's through color or just through increased size for those headlines mm, and also right. thinking about what will grab that reader. And that's where it helps to go back to what we were saying earlier about understanding who your reader is. Um, it's hard to grab their attention if you don't understand what's going to grab their attention. And nowadays, with, uh, when we talk about emails, with all the programs that are available, MailChimp, Constant Contact, you can do right. this formatting, right? Yes. So, so you believe in the applying the same uh, approach visually in an email as opposed to just something that looks like a, you know, a bunch of text? Yes, definitely. I'm a big fan of stylizing emails. Um, you know, you don't want to over stylize it, especially if it is more conversational style email. Sometimes it feels like more of a newsletter, which is okay. If that's your approach to make it look like a newsletter, that's fine. My emails tend to be more intimate where I want it to feel like I just sent it to one person. So um, I have to be careful to not over stylize it and embolden everything and make everything in caps, but you can still have fun with it and make sure you're accentuating the right parts of copy in the email too. All right. This is another one of those softball questions, but why should I not as a business owner in particular, try to write my own sales copy? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I kind of would say, well, you, you could try to write your own sales copy. I think it depends on what stage of business you're in. And then I think to some extent, we have to do some of it, right? I right. mean, that's just the reality of it. I, I don't know anybody as certainly small business owners that outsources every piece of right. writing. It's expensive. Yeah, exactly. So I think it. Um, there's so much power in understanding what makes good, great sales copy that it's worth. And I know I'm biased here as a copywriter, but I've heard other non-copywriter business owners say this as well. It's worth understanding the basics of copywriting, even if you just kind of take a course or two or read a book or two. Um, so you can understand if what works and what doesn't work, because even if you have the ability to hire a copywriter to join your team, let's say best case scenario, you can afford to bring a copywriter onto your team on retainer, which is great. You have access to that copywriter, but if you know, you're ultimately the copy chief in many ways. And so you still need to understand what makes it work for your audience. What doesn't make it work in order to. Um, produce the best copy in the end and as a collaboration with the copywriter. Of course, there are copywriters you can hire that are so talented and so great. You know, they'll just hand the copy over to you and you don't have to really touch a thing. But most of us in our businesses, when we're just getting started, we can't, we can't afford those copywriters. Right. So it helps to know the basics. And like you said, there's so much copy to write even if you can maybe outsource a sales page, yeah. um, you still need to write your social media copy. You probably are still writing your weekly emails and, um, and so many other uh, forms of copy that you need to learn the basics. Yeah, it just makes sense for me that to start with that sales page, that main landing page where I'm trying to convert somebody to buy something. That seems like a great place to start. And so related to that, what are your thoughts at a high level, a couple of tips for how to find 
the right copywriter for me? Yeah, I love that question. So um, if you can get a referral, that always helps. So asking around in your network of colleagues, you know, can you recommend a good copywriter? I think it's always the best place to start. Um, you can join groups like, you know, we have the Copywriter Club and you can uh, associate with groups like that that have thousands of copywriters and post your job in there to get someone who's in that type of association. Um, I would be very clear about what you want to get out of that collaboration with the copywriter. There's so many different ways you can work with the copywriter. Sometimes it's about getting uh, research and you want to work with a copywriter so you can get those insights and that research. Sometimes it's about just kind of uh, writing a first draft so that you can, you can polish the draft and you can do more of the work, but they can get it started. Other times you might want someone who can write everything for your team or even train your team of in-house marketers to write their own copy. So understanding kind of like what is the goal and the outcome that you want will be really helpful. Um, I would also look for their portfolio and ask them for a couple of their best samples of work to see what, what they've done, to see their style. I would also want to make sure the voice is similar to your own voice. There are a lot of copywriters who are great chameleons and they can change their voice. That may be a question you want to ask too. You know, are you, are you able to capture a voice like mine or, um, you know, what am I going to sound like? That's always key because copywriters tend to have a wide range of voices. And so you want to find someone who can match your voice. And then also just like personality based, you're going to spend a lot of time with the copywriter, whether it's for one project or if it's over multiple months, you really need to feel like they get you and feel comfortable with them. Um, the best copy, especially if you're the face of your brand is often a bit more intimate and story-based. And if you don't feel comfortable with your copywriter, you're not going to share the best parts of you. And so that will end up hurting the copy in the end too. Yeah. Great, great tips. And that last part leads me to this, this last big question before we start to wrap it up is how I think one of the things that holds people back is if I have somebody else write this stuff, then it's going to be real salesy. It's not going to be genuine. It's not going to be authentic. What do you say to that? Well, if you find a good copywriter, they know how to pull out your authentic self and they know the right questions to ask you so that it feels like you. And of course, you know, it might take a little bit of tweaking at the beginning if you're working with someone new for them to capture your voice 100%. But um, this is their skill set. So you could ask some questions around, hey, you know, copywriter, tell me what your process looks like for capturing my voice. If that's something that's a, a big concern for you, um, I would want to know what that process is and make sure that they have a process and it's not just, uh, you know, an instinct uh, I would want to know that there's a well thought out process for capturing my voice so that it sounds like the real me. But I also think a lot of times it is a collaboration and some of my best clients know that I can kind of get them 90% there with their voice, but I still need, like, I need them to jump in and add a little bit of their, their magic in there too, to really finish the copy and, and make it complete. And that's also okay. Yeah. And I can imagine, especially as you mentioned, if it's a, if I'm the, the face of the brand, it's okay to say, Kira, I would never say that or that word. And right. That's, that's the feedback I got to give you so that you can get my, my tone and my voice. I think that I, I suspect that it is one of the things that holds small business owners back is they think 
that copywriting is all about slick, high pressure sales, you know, close at any, at any right. cost tactics. And that's, that's not what we're talking about here. No. And that's really not working as effectively across the board in the, you know, 2021, that slick sales copy doesn't always work, right? Depends on your industry. Some industries, it does work better than others. Um, but in the spaces I tend to work in, it's really about, um, more conversational copy, more authenticity and, um, and selling in a, a way that doesn't feel intimidating or feel forced. So again, that's where it helps to look at the portfolio for the copywriter before you hire them, just to make sure that it is the right style. And it's not a hardcore, um, salesperson if that's not your style. Great stuff. All right. We, we've been touching on it, but tell me uh, what we haven't talked about or anything else you want us to know about the services that you do offer today. Great. So um, in my copywriting micro agency, I work on brand strategy and developing kind of what we've been talking about, helping my clients figure out uh, what makes them different what their voice sounds like, what their brand personality is. Um, and we go really deep into their offers and their, their marketplace to understand um, the deep foundational work that takes place even before we sit down to write the copy. So I focus heavily on that. And I also work on sales pages, sales sequences for memberships and courses. Um, so that's what I'm focused on in my copywriting business. And I also have created the Copywriter Club to help teach business owners, copywriters specifically, but any business owner more about how to write better copy and, and how so to it's build not just for business. people who, who want to develop their copywriting business, that it's not just for those people. Um, I mean, for our specific audience, we are best suited to help copywriters and marketers mm-hmm. who want to build a copywriting business. Sure, okay. But if you're just Hey, I want to, I don't want to build a copywriting business, but I want to get better at copywriting and right. I want to get improve as a business owner. Uh, we talk so much about the business basics that translate to every space. So um, it could be useful if you want to check out the copywriter club podcast too. Yeah, I know the podcast is definitely, I, that's what I go to for is to get tips for me to get better at the copy that I do. Right. So it's definitely a great resource for that. And that, again, that's the copywriter copywriter club podcast and i can find that everywhere i can find podcasts yes yep fantastic all right we'll start to wrap it up i'm always looking for a book recommendation is there a book that comes to mind that you would recommend yes so i'm going to share the one that i'm currently in the middle of by michael masterson called ready fire aim it's about going from zero to 100 million dollars in no time flat um And this book is really great for teaching uh, the different stages of a business and what you need to be focused on in each stage of your business. Um, And it's really helped me reframe what I should be focused on as a business owner, as CEO, um, that I really need to focus on driving sales, driving revenue at the stage of business I'm in, which is under a million dollars. And I think, you know, most of us are typically at that stage. And it's easy to get distracted by all the things we think we should be doing, or even the things we hear about on podcasts. Uh, but really what we need to focus on in this stage is generating revenue, generating sales. And so it was a really great reminder to me of like what's important at this stage and what's not important. And um, it's just a really brilliant book by, uh, by Michael Masterson. Wonderful. Thank you for that recommendation. I have not read that book, so I appreciate that. 
All right, we'll wrap it up, Kira. What's, what's one thing you want to stick away from this conversation we've had about copywriting from the perspective of the small business owner? Yeah, I think it's just repeating what we shared earlier, that even if you're not building a copywriting business, and, and most people listening aren't, that it's still your job as a business owner who's wearing many different hats in your business to understand at least the basics of copywriting and to enroll or read, you know, read a couple books on it or to take a course or two to understand the basics um, before you can start hiring people to write it for you, that you ultimately are the copy chief and until you can hire, hire someone to be your copy chief. And so it, it really will serve you best if you can understand the basics so you can collaborate uh, more effectively with any copywriters you work with in the future. Yeah, that makes sense. I love that perspective and it's a great approach. And it makes sense for us as small business owners that, that you have to understand the basics. I think it, it also ties to the other thing we, we, we talked about this at the outset, that this is tied to sales. And as business owners, we have to sell. Right. Uh, and so exactly. this is tied to that. If we're, if we're better at copywriting, we'll be better at sales and vice versa, I think. Right. That's exactly the point I'm talking about, you know, ready, fire, aim in the book about sales. It's mm -hmm. in order to sell today, um, we're mostly not doing door-to-door -door sales. Um, we are selling via communication that is broadcasted over social media and over video and over email and websites. And so that all, that all is copy. And yeah. so that's um, in order to grow, if we're serious about growing, that needs to be a part of what we're focused on. Makes sense. All right. Tell us where you want us to go online to find out more. Yeah. You can find out more about me uh, through my copywriting services at kirahug.com. And if you're interested in checking out the copywriting uh, resources, you can go to thecopywriterclub.com to learn more about copywriting. And Kira is spelled K-I-R-A and hug is like a hug. Like a hug. Yeah. Wonderful. Great stuff, Kira. I appreciate you sharing all of these insights and tips and uh, taking the time to be with me today. Thank you for having me. It's, it's always fun to talk about copywriting, so I appreciate, appreciate your time. Thank you. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for joining me on this episode of The How of Business. My guest today again was Kira Hug. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.